So uh, on Wednesday, we left off in uh, chapter, uh, sorry, verse 8 of chapter 20. And uh, just a recap of what we talked about uh, and what we covered. Uh, if you uh, kind of go back into, into uh, we went through chapter 19, verse 28, all the way through uh, verse 8 of chapter 20. And uh, what we, we discussed were the uh, triumphal entry and what that meant. And uh, if you're if you're unfamiliar, uh, it's it's the declaration of Jesus as the Savior. Uh, at times in Jesus's ministry, he would tell people, "Hey, don't go 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 your way and don't tell anybody about this." Like somebody's healed, and 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 they've got to contain that. In you know, just think of how hard that would be. It was because the time wasn't quite right. Jesus's ministry of three years. Uh, on on earth, uh, it wasn't time for him to be declared as the Messiah, and and for him declare to declare himself as Messiah, and and to be recognized and praised publicly as the Messiah. So uh, we we studied and we looked at the triumphal entry and what it meant, and it was prophesied of all the way back in Daniel, uh, 483 years before uh, the actual triumphal entry. Um, when you look in Daniel chapter nine, verse 25, and it's explaining these, uh, these time periods of seven years and described as weeks, seven weeks of years. So seven weeks of, of, of years would be seven times seven, 49. Um, and it explains that for 69 weeks there, it, from the day of, uh, the decree given to rebuild the walls and, and the streets of Jerusalem, from that day until the day of Messiah would be 483 years. And uh, breaking that down into days was 173,880 days. So Israel should have known it was exactly this day that Jesus was coming. And they didn't. And we, we talked about that. That was a, a, a good discussion. So the, it was a, it, that day was declared uh, that that Messiah would be known. He would be declared. So we talked about um, Psalm 118 uh, that was that was fulfilled in Zechariah 9.9 that was fulfilled by Jesus' triumphal entry. Now, when you think triumphal entry, if you're not familiar with, this, with, with that passage, triumphal entry was him riding on a colt of a donkey that had never been ridden before. That he sent, uh, he sent out uh, servants to go get. And uh, the instructions were, go here. You're going to find a colt of a donkey that's never ridden on before. Go ahead and loose it and bring it back to me. If anybody says anything to you about it, just say the Lord has need of it. And they went and the scripture says that it was exactly that it was as the Lord told him it would be. And that was another part, a topic of discussion for us is when the Lord tells us to go do something, go do it. If the Lord is, is, is pulling on our heart and he's confirming in prayer and conversation in the word, those those things all line up and you're like, yes, the Lord is is telling me to do this. Go do it. Be obedient to the Lord. And we saw those guys that went obediently and did it. They were they, you know, like as they're walking through the rest of their lives, they're like, the Lord used me, sinful old me to help and take part in the triumphal entry actually happening. You know, it's just when we obey the Lord, he's going to use us. Uh, we also discussed uh, Jesus weeping over Jerusalem because of the impending doom that was coming shortly after in 70 AD when Titus came in with the Roman uh, army and they uh, utterly destroyed Jerusalem. And uh, there wasn't a stone standing on top of another. We talked about the fire that happened in the temple that melted all the gold inside. So they had to knock down all of the stones to get to the gold that had melted and went in between the, the uh, cracks of the, of the rocks that were standing there. So we, we talked about that and uh, Jesus cleansing the temple and that he was removing and he was making a statement that uh, what was happening is the religious leaders were ripping people off. So they were coming and they were, they would either come with their, with their own animal of sacrifice to offer to the Lord or they would come uh, prepared to buy uh, an animal that was uh, temple approved. And if they came and they had uh, their their sheep or whatever, uh, then what was happening is they were being ripped off because they'd be told, oh, this has a blemish on it. You need to buy one of ours. And uh, the price was astronomical. And, oh, well, you can't buy with worldly money. You have to buy with temple money. And you have to exchange that. And the exchange rate was off. So the Lord was dealing with what was happening in a ripoff. What it was is it was making people bitter about their service to him. 
And it was making people just, I mean, it, it was a burden for them to come serve the Lord. And the Lord went and was, was making his, that known that that shouldn't be happening. So when he says, you made it a den of thieves, that's what he's talking about. They were stealing from people that were there to worship God. That's a bad thing to be able to, to God is being gracious by doing that to them. Because I don't want to stand ever stand in front of Christ and have to explain, yeah, I, did, I just was ripping people off as they were trying to praise you. That's... I, no thanks. Um, and, and then we ended with uh, them, uh, the religious leaders, questioning Jesus' authority. And uh, so they ask him a question. Who gives you the, you know, what rabbis told you that you can, you can be here and you can do these things that you're doing here and you're, te- you're teaching in the temple every day? Uh, and he goes on. Instead of answering them, he poses a question. And, and he says, the baptism of John, is that from God or is it from man? And they know they're stuck. They came to get. So whenever you're declaring something in public and, and you think you, you're not going to do that unless you think you've got it. You know, you're not going to go and go, oh, yeah, they could get me here. They thought they had it in the bag. And we're going to see another example of that today. And they declare this question to Jesus. Well, who gave you the permission? And Jesus says, you tell me. Was, was, was John ministering on it, you know, based on, on man's approval or God's? And they knew that if they said it was God's, then they would be guilty of not obeying John's, uh, John's word and, and not obeying the Lord and being baptized. Uh, or if they said man, then now they're saying that, that he wasn't from God. So they were either going to be in, they were going to be in trouble one way. The crowd was going to get mad if they said it was, it was of man. But if they said uh, that it was of God, then the question is going to be, uh, well, why didn't you? Why didn't you be obedient to God's word? So their super intelligent response was, "We don't know." So Jesus says, "Well, if you won't tell me, then I'm not going to tell you the authority uh, by which I'm here." So that's that's the setting of where we're at. So he's having. I know that was a long recap, but it's important for us to understand where we left off and where we're picking up. So he's having a discussion with the religious leaders where we left off last time. The audience changes now as we pick up in verse 9. Then he began to tell the people, so now the audience changed to the people, this parable. A certain man planted a vineyard, leased it to the vine dressers, and went into a far country for a long time. Now at vintage time, he sent a servant to the vine dressers that they might give him some of the fruit of the vineyard. But the vine dressers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again, he sent another servant, and they beat him also, treated him shamefully, and sent him away empty-handed. And again, he sent a third, and they wounded him also and casted him out. Then the owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son. Probably they will respect him when they see him. But when the vine dressers saw him, they reasoned among themselves, saying, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, that the inheritance may be ours. So they cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when they heard it, they said, Certainly not. And he looked at them and said, What then? Is this that is written, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Whoever falls on the stone will be broken, but on whomever it falls, it will grind him to powder. And the chief priests and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on him, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. It's quite a parable to share in front of the people that know, as it's being unfolded, that it's about them. So to understand the parable, the man that owns the vineyard, as it's being described here, represents God. The vineyard represents Israel and the people that are in charge, the religious leaders that are in charge of leading Israel. God's chosen people um, governed by, if you think, uh, the, the word Israel means governed by God. Okay, The servants are the prophets that the Lord has sent. Uh, from the beginning all the way till then. The son represents Jesus. So the wicked vine dressers are the chief priests, the scribes, religious leaders, uh, even the political leaders, those that, that have rejected those that God has sent. So 
what he's saying here is that this this vine dresser, he's he's explaining that as we understand who each of the characters that are presented are, God has continuously sent his prophets to Israel and they were rejected. And uh, the the rejection meant that they'd be ridiculed, rejected uh, just by by society, um, uh, persecuted. And that persecution we're going to talk about, uh, where where they were being persecuted for their their faith and their obedience to the Lord. And and Jesus is saying that you know no matter who God would send, they were still rejecting. And and what they were doing ultimately was they were rejecting God. Go through and read the the Old Testament and and how the Lord explains that. He, you've rejected me. You've rejected me, and, and we'll we'll talk some more about it here. So these 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 prophets that are being rejected, they're being rejected because they're speaking the truth, and it's cutting people's hearts. It's challenging, you know, what they're doing. They're convicted. So instead of their their hearts yielding to the Lord, they're going to go after the person that's sharing. You know, kill the messenger. That 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 mentality. We I know it's a it's a popular statement, but it's it's literally what ends up happening. Uh, several times throughout the scripture. So understanding what he's saying here, what he's accusing them, this isn't like, hey, you know, you've done a couple bad things. This is this is massive. This what's being laid on the table here is is very heavy, very important for them to understand and for us to learn from. The same is true today. You know, it's important for us to stand uh, for the truth. We can't as I, I, now. Not everybody is given the gift of prophecy, but we can we can share the word. And as we're sharing the word, it's the same thing. Hey, you know, thus says the Lord. We're not saying that, but we can say, hey, you know what the scripture says is here. And we can make our stance in life, whatever on whatever the scripture says about whatever topic. That's where we get you know our our belief. When we've accepted Christ, we that we're a whole new person. Everything has changed, and we've talked about that several times. But that the, our old person is gone, and we've, we're growing into or understanding more. So what happens is after we accept the Lord, it's not like, boom, hey, we're sinless, we're perfect, we're never going to do anything wrong again. We feel like that sometimes when that, that newness of walking, like I've, I've accepted the Lord, and I'm going to, ah, you know, you're on that spiritual high. And then as soon as you kind of get into life and you go to work the next day or whatever, you're like, oh, wait a minute, my old person is still here. And the Lord is in the process of changing us. And he's in the, it's, we, it's just like when a baby is born, you know, the baby continues to, 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 to grow and, and, and be nourished by the word. It starts with milk, milk only. And then as we get a little bit older, we can start understanding more of the deeper things of the word. So then we can start chewing on some stuff. My, my dad was always driving my wife nuts. We have three daughters. My oldest two are right there. Um, but, uh, we were always, uh, all the all the mothers in our in our family. I come. Uh, I'm one of five children, and uh, so my my parents have I don't know twenty something grandkids, and you know we we know you know we're with our kids every day. Okay, we're taking all. Okay, now they can have the little dissolvable kid things. Um, you know they can have those, and maybe we can work on a Ritz cracker or whatever. And my dad's like, want some steak? You know, just those types of things. You know, the the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. God is building us, and he's 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 getting us to the point where we can stand on our own in our faith. And then we're going to end up sharing our faith. We become strong servants of him and understanding his word. We have to, we can't just accept the word, like, like pray the prayer and, and, and walk out, go cool. You know, that, that I got the stamp over my, my, uh, and, and that's another very big discussion within the church is one saved, always saved and uh, all those things. And we won't, we won't go there, but it's important for us to understand that our, our relationship with the Lord should be ever developing in the positive. We shouldn't be going, you know, up, down, up, down, although we do, right? But the more we submit to the will of God and the word of God, the, the less those little things, you know, he's going to start taking away those things in our lives that need to go, our anger, our doubt, our shame, our whatever it is, those things are going to be removed as we're walking in him and we're getting stronger in our relationship with him. Important for us to stand for the truth, know the truth and stand for it. So uh, even within the Christian church today, the word is being challenged and the word is being uh, questioned on, well, well, what do we make a stance over? And, uh, you know, what, what's important? What should we be doing? Should we be, uh, should we be changing the way we believe this? Should we be changing the way we believe that? Might get called bigots for not changing those things. 
Um, and it, it can be a popular message. And one that's, oh, wow, that scratches my ear. That feels good. But it doesn't line up with the word of God. It might be a cultural issue. Drinking, homosexuality, whatever it might be. Uh, those, those things might, uh, you know, our culture would, would be challenging us to change our mindset and say, no, you know, does the Bible really say? And we could say, yes, the Bible really says. I, I heard somebody quote, um, uh, and, and we've talked about the online uh, arguments. I just caution you guys, it's a never-ending battle that will never be won. Guard your hearts and, uh, you know, just, just go to the Lord as we want to get mad and thumbs get going and everything. Just, uh, just understand that many people are just provoking. They're just poking. They, they have no ambition to change, nothing. They're just bringing those. So I'm just bringing that when I talk about the cultural subject. You know, so as a church, you know, when it comes to something like, is homosexuality really a sin? According to the scripture, it is. And we can stand and we can share that it is. Um, I have many in my, in my life, very, very close to me that I love very dearly, that I've had these discussions with, and, and I do it in love, and just being able to share whether people like it or not. I haven't been punched in the face about it yet, but I'm, I'm sure they, you know, uh, maybe they weren't uh, happy with what I was saying, but I was, I was saying it in love. Don't shy away being able to share because it's literally life or death eternally for, the, for our loved ones. Do we really love them if we're not willing to share the truth with them? So just understand that as these, as these prophets were, were declaring the truth and what the Lord had said, there was a lot on the line, and, and it may be so for us. But in love and in truth, share God's love, share God's grace, and that we can be changed. Guys, a big thing. Okay, so those are some of the bigger things. Let's look at one that is kind of, uh, um, kind of overlooked, sex before marriage. In this culture, it's like you're gonna get. You guys haven't even lived together. You guys haven't even lived together yet. Are you guys just gonna get married? You haven't even kissed each other. How do you know they're a good kisser? Right, right. So that our culture is well. You know, we need to do these things, and then I'll find out if this is the person for me. Guys, it's backwards from what the Word of God says. That's called um, just living in sin. <laughs> just, just rejecting the Word. You know, having sex outside of marriage. You know, if you are married, that's obviously not supposed to happen. But even before marriage, that shouldn't happen. It's a culturally, accept, culturally acceptable thing to do. People are going to say, oh, you've got old values. Well, the values of the one that created this earth and set the rules, right? So in love, being able to share those things, it's, it's, it, you know, call it what it is. Be able to go, well, that's actually, we don't use the word fornication in our everyday, but being able to share. No, that's actually outside of God's will for us. And being able to share that, people might look crazy. Okay, you got called crazy. You know, if that's the only persecution you get, amen, right? But do it in love. Do it because how many of us, if we were, be, if and when maybe someone uh, who was lovingly and loving enough to us came to us saying, "Hey, I, do you know Jesus?" and and they're sharing the gospel with us, and we're like, no, I didn't. I've never heard it that way. And we gave our life. It probably didn't happen at them just driving their fist into our teeth, right? It was more somebody loved us and shared the truth with me in love and grace. It's the love and grace of God that changes people. It's not a fist. It's not a, I'm going to run you over with this keyboard and bash it over, bash it over your head. There we go. Uh, bash it over your head till you get it. You know, let the Holy Spirit do the work. You know, it's not us saving people. It's God calling people, calling people to repentance. We can just be faithful ministers and be used like a tool, you know, that the, as the um, as a surgeon is using uh, that that uh, I'm thinking exacto knife, <laughs> the scalpel. Thank you. Using a scalpel. I mean, you've probably heard this this uh, this analogy, but if that scalpel starts boasting and bragging that it's something, that scalpel's absolutely useless on the on the the tray. It can't do anything in and of itself, and it's the same for us. The one that is skilled has to use that tool, allow ourselves to build and grow and be tools that are used. And with, even within this church, you know, it's a blessing to see somebody using gifts that they have here to, to bless us and to serve us. That children's ministry is an absolute battlefield. You know, there's kids screaming and crying and, you know, we'll hear them. And, and we're, we're trying to focus and everything. There are, you know, one, two, three people in there going, okay, 
everybody's in church and they're all going, okay, how do I get this kid quiet? And, you know, I can't run them anywhere to be quiet and it's not my kid, so I'm not going to spank them. Or, you know, there's, there's all kinds of those things happening, guys. Pray for, for one another. Pray for our church that everybody's serving here. Um, that as we step and know this, when you step into, as we, as we grow, I'm, we've covered like one verse here, but as we grow in our relationship and as we grow as Christians, the more the battles are coming because our enemy is seeing us as a greater threat. Okay. We cannot fight that battle on ourselves. We can't be, Oh, I got my, I'm ready to battle. No, 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 no. We go to the Lord and we ask him to take care of all our battles for us. And he's going to win them all for us. All we have to do is know the word and say, wait a minute, this is coming into my head. Wait, the scripture says this. I'm just going to meditate on that, pray, ask God to help me with this. Boom, move forward. And, and God's got it. Yes, we have to resist the devil and draw near to God. That's what we need to do. I'm seeing this, this temptation of this happening uh, you know, on my TV screen, on my computer. I'm seeing this temptation of this person has this drug, uh, this drug or this alcohol in front of me, and I'm tempted by it. Go to run, literally run away from that thing. Resist the devil and draw near to God. Say, God, I was just tempted by that. I don't want to sin against you. And go right to him in prayer and remove yourself from the situation. Sometimes it's, it's that easy, but it's not that easy, right? We have to be willing to lay our will down at the feet of the Father and say, God, I, I need your help. I can't beat this by myself. I need your spirit. It's just so important for us to understand these things. So as we're sharing, as, as we are in, in our faith and we're growing and we're telling uh, and we're able to share these things with people, it's important for us to understand that this, is, this may be the ministry that God has for me. And that ministry might be, and we've talked about it, being in the nursery. It might be whatever it is. But as we're sharing the word, doing it in truth, understand the word. Don't get to the point where I, I think it says this. Well, it doesn't, but I'm just going to make it say this or whatever. Know the word. Get into it. If there's nothing else that happens uh, inside these walls of this church, it would be that this community knows that we love God and we love them and we're very serious about our relationship with the Lord and his word. If that's all that this, this because that's, that's sincerity and truth, it's important for, the people, for people around us to see that in our lives. And when I say people around us, including in people in our family. You know, there's nobody that knows my willingness, my, not my willingness, um, my ability to get mad at somebody when I'm driving better than those three sitting right over there. And my other, yeah, they've heard it all. And I'm going, if I had a bazooka that wouldn't kill them or, or maim them, but just disable their vehicle for 10 seconds so I can pass them and then I could get right, right. So they've heard me talk about that and all those things. They, they've seen my failures. They've seen those things. They need to see in me that I'm seeking the Lord. I'm not perfect, but I'm seeking the Lord and that I need, I know that I need to grow. My family should see me praying. They should see me reading the scriptures and following the Lord, uh, doing those things. And, and it's important for us to understand, you know, that ministry around us isn't just the, the lost person around us, but it's also our brothers and sisters here at church and at home. So those ear-scratching messages, we need to understand and know that as we're being used by the Lord, that we that we need to reject. Uh, we've talked about it several times. Health, wealth, and prosperity doctrine. In America, how popular. Great, we're going to have lots of whatever it is if we follow the Lord. Whatever it is, I'm going to be healthy, and I'm going to have lots of stuff, and I'm going to be happy. Great. Right? You know, the, it's it's different than than what the Lord calls us to very often. And please, and I've shared this and I try to remember every time, if the Lord has blessed you with wealth, amen. It's not that you're not in right standing. And it doesn't mean that if he's blessed you with wealth that you are. It's, you know your relationship with the Lord and it, it needs to be based on the word. And if, if God has blessed you with, with wealth, great. Use it for the Lord and, and bless people with it and, and, and trust him. Uh, never, and we've talked about the deceitfulness of riches and, and uh, I won't, won't go into that again. But some of these ear scratching things, I was um, a mega church that just kind of got exposed was I haven't seen this part. So it's hard for me to say this with with much conviction and, and that I've been a witness of it. But I heard that somebody watched and these people were backstage. The ministers, the ones in leadership were backstage after a church service. And I hope I get this right. And I'm not just up here lying. Um, they're drinking. They're all saying, hey, isn't this great? This freedom we have in Christ. And, and they're all just partying. No, freedom from sin, not freedom to sin, right? Right? 
Freedom from sin. Wine's a, what does Proverbs say? Will said it several times. Wine is a mocker. It's going to mock you. And a strong drink's a brawler. You're going to do stupid stuff when you drink. Okay? The scripture does not, uh, in and of itself, uh, just tell any of us that having a glass of wine is sin. I can't, I can't tell you that. What I can tell you is that anybody who serves in leadership in this church has to make the decision that they are going to 100% abstain from any drugs or alcohol because not only is it a detriment to us and set us up for failure, what if you guys saw me buying a 12-pack right after I left from church? Tell me that wouldn't weird you out to see somebody who just shared the scripture walking out of there with a pack of whatever and saying, hey, guys, have a blessed day. You know, it's, it's going to mess with your mind a little bit, right? I'm not perfect. Will, I love a guy. He's not perfect, and he's going to tell you he's not. None of us are perfect. If we haven't learned this yet, none of us are perfect, right? We should not be stumbling blocks to other people, and what we do shouldn't be stumbling blocks. So it's, it's important for us that if we are going to be the messengers, prophets are sharing the message of God, if we're just going to be messengers, we don't have to be saying, you know, thus says the Lord, in 10 years this is going to happen unless the Lord has laid that on our heart. But it's very important for us to understand that as we're sharing God's word and his message, our life should reflect what we're sharing. Other word, there's that super word that a lot of people love to use when they talk about the church and it's hypocrite. Ah, I knew it. I found that. Don't, don't give them any reason for that. Just don't. So on these things, we need to be solid in our faith. Uh, you know, we... Um, it's just important to understand we are if we're if we're walking in the Lord and we're sharing his word, there's going to be a point where we come to disagreements with people. Do it in love. Do it uh, in the grace of God and speak and speaking the truth in love, making sure that we uh, we share those things. There are times where if you read in Nehemiah that uh, those who knew better, uh, such things change a little bit inside the church versus outside the church. We can be a little more direct and say, hey, I know, you know, this man. I know, you, and, and, and we can come to each other and go, I'm seeing this in your life, man. What, what's going on? Or, or girl, um, the discussions that are, that are being had. And, uh, you know, why, why did I, you know, I saw you at the thing there, and, um, you know, I, I noticed you were conducting yourself like this, and you said this or, or whatever, and, and you saw me, you know, and, and what was that check in your heart? That was God. That was God saying, something's wrong here. Something's off, you know. Inside the church, we're going to be a little more direct, and we can get right to a point and go, okay, you understand these things, so let's take that to a different that discussion to a different level. But we, what we're not called to do is compromise. We can we can talk to somebody and go, okay, we're going to agree to disagree, but I'm going to tell you exactly where I'm at because I'm standing on God's truth, and uh, and the way we do that is very important. But but we have to understand that the lost world they're blind. They're spiritually blind. So for us to go in wielding a hammer, a sword, and everything is only going to cause destruction, isn't it? So just important for us to understand. There are churches, um, Westboro Baptist Church, um, they're the ones uh, that will hold the sign like, um, I'm going to censor it a little bit, God hates gays. Um, God hates soldiers. God hates, you know, they'll go, they'll go pick it, you know, when, when someone has lost their life for this country. They'll go pick it and say, God's happy about all this. Okay, how many converts do they have? None. They're not spreading the gospel. They're just spreading hate in a weird way and saying that it's in God's name. It's not the case. If you, uh, if you're, you know, John 3.16, I, I know I talked about her. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The next verse, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. Right? So having that and understanding, because we shouldn't go around going, oh, the lightning bolt's coming over there and everything. No, it's all about that they would come to him and that the world's already condemned. It's that they need to be saved from that fire. Just understanding that, that the world through him would be saved. <clears throat> so as we're going through this understanding, we are going to share the word if we're walking with the Lord and he's building us and strengthening us. He is going to small scale, large scale. I don't know what it is. God's going to reveal that to you in your life. Know the word. Know, know him. If anybody sees anything in us, let it be Jesus in the way we live our lives. And when they hear us talk, that they hear the word and they hear love, grace. They hear God. They see and hear God coming from our lives. 
As the Lord is talking about this, so I, I hope I hope I haven't lost you with what we're talking about here. When you're talking about the vineyard and you're talking about the man that owns it and the the servants that were sent there. Um, the son, uh, all those things, the vine dressers, the one that were supposed to be taking care of those things, all of those things, understanding that what Jesus is dealing with is the vine dressers, the ones that were supposed to be taking care of it, had taken over and and they're, they're, they've turned away from God. And as he's sending prophets to minister to them, they're rejecting the prophets and, and they're either uh, you know, hurting them, casting them out, killing them, whatever it might be. But it's an ultimate rejection of it's not it is a rejection of that person, but it's it even more so the rejection of God is what's happening. So as this is being uh, this is developing as we're studying through it, it's just important for us to understand what what a prophet is or what a what a messenger of God, somebody that's carrying the word of God, um, it should know and what we might expect in our lives. I hope none of us experience some of the things that are listed in Hebrews 11. Uh, I hope that's not, but it has happened to Christians, and we'll talk about it here. So when he's when he's talking about these things, it's important to understand what was happening. So if you if we were to turn, we won't, but if we were to turn to Acts chapter seven, and this is Stephen's address to uh, the religious leaders and the political leaders, it's giving a, a brilliant message. Uh, Stephen has the word of God. He's delivering it to everybody. And he goes to a point, if you read through that, you'll, you'll see at first that it says that he was full of, faith, uh, full of faith and power and did great wonders and signs among the people. So that got everybody's attention. And when it got everybody's attention, they're like, oh, wait a minute. He's doing that in the name of Jesus. So they decide to frame him. And they get people there that are, are um, uh, just not good people to go in and witness against him. And they stirred up uh, some... Uh, the elders and scribes um, with lies. They got they say they these false witnesses came to the elders and scribes saying, "Hey, this guy's saying this," and they get them all fired up and everything. Like, we want to hear him. And as the council sat listening, it says that they saw his face as the face of an angel. And Stephen gives this this masterful <clears throat> sermon of Israel's history, and it, it just going through is it's an amazing thing to read. If you're not familiar with it, go back and read Acts chapter seven today. It's a great, uh, great summary of the of the history of Israel. Then he like lowers the boom on them, and he says in verse fifty one of Acts chapter seven, "You stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you." So this ties into what we're reading here. Listen to this: Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed them who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you know you now have become the betrayers and murderers who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. So Stephen just calls them out at right where they're at. And he literally says, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? So those Old Testament prophets, prophets that Jesus was just talking about, shortly after his death and resurrection, when after the, the, the disciples became apostles and they were sent out, they're going and they're declaring the word of God. And now it's Stephen that is, that is sharing and he's calling out, uh, just as the Old Testament prophets, a New Testament um, account of it in Acts chapter 7, Stephen is, is proclaiming the word of God and their response to it is not good. And, uh, and they, they end up plugging their ears and they run at him and they're shouting, gnashing him with their teeth and they take him over and they stone Stephen to death. He gives his life to the Lord right then. And we'll look at that a little bit here. Uh, I wanted to share something from Hebrews 11.35 when we, when we talk about what Jesus is confronting the religious leaders on with your fathers. Uh, you know, it, it, when, when he's saying this and then, and then Stephen says, your fathers, um, uh, which of them did they not persecute uh, with the prophets? And, uh, Hebrews 11.30, uh, starting in 35, it says, Others in speaking, so the Hebrews 11 is uh, known uh, amongst the church as, as the hall of faith. You can read in there some awesome stories of people trusting the Lord and the Lord doing amazing things in their lives. Hebrews 11.35 says, Others were tortured and not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourging, yes, and chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn. And these, are, these are prophets. 
These are people sent by God. They were stoned. They were sawn in two, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Verse 38 says this. This is so powerful for us to understand and to know. Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. Prophets. You know, when, when someone hears, uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny. It's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that will happen when somebody, if you say that you have a title within a church. You know, you go to church there, but if you say, I'm a worship leader or I'm a, a pastor, I'm the pastor. Oh, really? You know, there, there's, there's that. I am a prophet, you know, Old Testament prophet. And you're going, whoa, it's the same. We, we should have the mindset to expect that we're, uh, that, you know, things when, when, when maybe someone's convicted when they do that jump, whoa, I didn't know that. Guard your heart against that. Or, hey, I serve at this church and I'm, you know, I'm leading the children's ministry or whatever. Let that never be a brag uh, coming from or a boast coming from us. Just understanding like, hey, this is, this is where the Lord has me. You know, that, if, if that's the approach. If that's the approach, I, I think it's the right, right approach. If I go, I kind of lead worship there, kind of a big deal. Right? Right? And doesn't that just, you know, that people will say, I just threw up in my mouth a little bit. Sorry, I don't mean to be gross, but doesn't it, it'll turn your stomach, you know, with that. With that. Understand that as we're serving the Lord, uh, there may be these things here that, that we're not so well welcomed. You know? Oh, oh, Christian. Okay. Oh, 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 now i got some things to talk to you about. I mean, when you read here, but of whom the world was... So the world had rejected all these people that are listed here in, in, in Hebrews 11. And, and we see the horrible things that happened in their lives. Some of them sawn in two, upside down or even sideways. Either way, I, I, I don't want to be in that line. You know, I, I'd rather, rather just, I don't, I don't know what else, the quicker, easier way. Um, sawn in two. You know, rejected, all those things to understand. Now, um, some examples of, of these people we're, we're going to talk about. Isaiah, church history tells us that he was one that was, so you can read 66 books in Isaiah. I understand that church history tells us he was sawn in two. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, as you read there. Church history tells us sawn in two. Jeremiah, if you read through Jeremiah, that's a that's pretty pretty intense read. You know, and to see the 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 uh, the spiritual lows for and, and the the mental breakdowns for Jeremiah, the the pressure of the rejection that he that he went through, and he gets to a point where he's thrown into stocks. You know, prison was not supposed to be what it is today with cable TV, and you know, you know, hey, you know, hey, somebody just put money on my commissary. I'm going to go buy a bunch of Slim Jims and Dr Pepper. You know, it wasn't like that at all. You know, they didn't have access to Snickers bars and all that stuff. Prison was dungeon and being put in stocks and being very uncomfortable. It was torture is what it was. So Jeremiah put into prison. Um, Elijah, chased by Ahab and, 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 and Jezebel, after being used mightily by the Lord to call down fire and to, and to, to wipe out the 450 prophets of Baal. Uh, if you go back through and read 1 Kings 17, uh, 18, 19, go through there and you're, you're going to find some, uh, some pretty neat stuff of finding out how fake the, the, these prophets and how fake their God was that they were serving little G God and the one God, one guy. And he's like, hey, pour water all over this sacrifice. I'm going to call down heaven. And all that's that's taken up. All those things that just happened to him. And then he's running as soon as he hears the Jezebel's after him. So you gotta, you got to read that. Zechariah was stoned to death by the order of, of uh, King Joash. And I'm going to read to you right here. It says, now after the death of Jehoiada, uh, the leaders of Judah uh, came and bowed down to the king, and the king listened to them. Therefore, they left the house of God of their uh, the, they left the house of the God of their fathers and served wooden images and idols. And the wrath and wrath came upon Judah and Jerusalem because of their trespass. Yet he sent prophets to them to bring them back to the Lord, and they testified against them. But they would not listen. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people and said to them, Thus says God, Why do you transgress the commandments of the Lord 
so that you cannot prosper. Because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. Very simple. Why do you transgress against God? You're not going to prosper. And he says, because you have forsaken the Lord, he has forsaken you. But they conspired against him. And at the command of the king, they stoned him with stones in the court of the house of the Lord. Remember, we're talking about a parable that Jesus has talked about of the master sending servants. And they're just being rejected. We're looking at examples of what happened to obedient people. People obeying the scripture. Second Chronicles 16, uh, uh, Hanani. Asa is the king of Judah, and he makes a treaty with Ben-Hadad, uh, the king of Syria, while he's at war with the uh, with the other half of uh, with the the other tribes of Israel. So they're reading through um, at the end of Samuel, and then you get into uh, the books of First and Second Kings and First Second Chronicles. Their lives were a total mess. And if you read in Judges, the end of Judges, what does it say? That everybody kind of just did, did whatever was right in their own eyes, right? And then you got these kings. Some of them would come and they did right in the eyes of the Lord. And it talks about how they would cleanse. Uh, and But all too often it was this person did evil in the sight of the Lord and everything went bad. Those types of things. So instead of relying on the Lord, King Asa, um, he made this treaty with Ben-Hadad. And it says, the time Hanani, uh, the seer, came to Asa, uh, the king of Judah, and said to him, because you relied on the king of Syria and have not relied on the Lord your God, therefore the army of the king of Syria has escaped your hand. Were the Ethiopians and the Lubim uh, not a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen? Yet because you relied on the Lord, he delivered them into your hand. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro there uh, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to you. In this you have done foolishly. Therefore, from now on, you shall have wars. Then Asa was angry with the seer and put him in prison, for he was enraged at him because of this. And Asa oppressed some of the people at that time. Guy goes, makes a declaration. Asa throws him in prison. He speaks for the Lord. I think this is the last example I have. Um, uh, just uh, written out here uh, that that requires some uh, some uh, scripture uh, being shared versus just a summary. First uh, Kings twenty two, Micaiah. Uh, he uh, goes and uh, warns King Ahab not to go against Ramoth, Ramoth Gilead, uh, the Syrians. Ahab is trusting in false prophets. You got a lot of people. Everybody is just sharing the same message of false victory. And just, hey, we're, let's just please the king. Just tell the king what he wants to hear. It's a false prophet. It's the worst thing they could have done for him. So he asked Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. So Ahab's the king of Israel at the time. And he goes and uh, he's now uh, uh, friends with Jehoshaphat. They want to they uh, join together to go uh, take over Ramoth Gilead. And Jehoshaphat comes in and says, sure, you know, I, I am as you are. And uh, the false prophets are speaking uh, flattering words that there's going to be victory coming. And Jehoshaphat's hearing all of these prophets say the same things in the name of, of uh, in, not in the name of the Lord. So Jehoshaphat, the other king that kind of just uh, came in, he says, is there still a prophet of the Lord here that we may inquire of him? So is there, is there anybody left that we can, let's just, let's just ask the God of our father. So let's, Let's find out what happens here. And Ahab says, and this is kind of a summary of what Ahab says. Um, he says, there's still one. He's Micaiah, but I hate him. He goes, uh, because he doesn't, uh, he, he is explaining that he doesn't uh, have uh, any prophecy good toward, uh, toward him, but only evil. And Jehoshaphat, the, the, um, the king of Judah, says, let not the king say such things. You hate him because he's, he only has a message that's not popular to your ear. Um, so they send for Micaiah, uh, Micaiah and uh, he's brought back. And as they, they get there to pick Micaiah up, they're trying to prime him. And they're like, hey, we, we've been given um, uh, King Ahab this message. We'd love for you to go along. Can you share this and, and, and everything? And they say what they've been saying. And Micaiah, basically, it's kind of a, like a don't, don't rock the boat type thing. Hey, this, this, we, we just need you to come here and, and say these things and then you can go away, basically. I, I'm totally paraphrasing what's being said there, but that's really what they mean, is they don't really want him to share. Micaiah's response was, as the Lord lives, whatever the Lord speaks to me, that I will speak. Micaiah uh, is brought to Ahab uh, and asked what advice he has. And he gives the same uh, message that the false prophets ha have given. 
and Ahab automatically knows that it's a mockery. That he knows, okay, hey, I'm here, I'm doing exactly what they told him, but he knew the sincerity wasn't there. And Ahab gets mad, and he gets mad at him, and now he gets to the truth. And and uh, Micaiah tells him, in my vision from the Lord, I saw Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. You're going to die if you if you do this. And Ahab looks right over at Jehoshaphat and says, see, another paraphrase, I told you you had nothing good to say about me. So he gets frustrated by the prophet that's telling him the truth from God. Okay, so instead of repenting, he gets mad at this guy. So Micaiah speaks of a, a heavenly scene right after that where an angel describes how he'll persuade Ahab because Ahab was being wicked and, and against the Lord by using false prophets. So these false prophets have been stirred up uh, to prophesy falsely because God's judgment's coming down on them. So Micaiah, um, he outs them all. And he, he says, no, he outs them all, I should say. He says, these guys are all fake. And then Zedekiah, who's a, a false prophet amongst them, comes and hits him in the face. And, uh, and, and, and basically there's, he, when he, uh, when these things happen, you know, he's, he's hit in the face and then, uh, Ahab orders for Micaiah to be put in prison and, uh, taken to Ammon, uh, the governor of the city and he puts him in prison and, uh, the, the king specifically said that he wants him to be fed with the bread and water of affliction. That doesn't sound like a good meal to me. Um, I've had some great bread when my wife and I lived in Italy. You know, come out all hot. Or if you know you go to uh, you know Roadhouse and you get those. Uh, sorry, I'm talking about and and I'm over a little bit here. Uh, and everybody's probably thinking lunchtime, right? But you know, you get the butter on those everything. Um, the bread of affliction and the water of affliction. Not not something that's that's uh, wonderful. And, and he says, until I come. So he says, put him in prison, feed him with the bread and water of affliction uh, until I come in peace. And Micaiah replies as as he's getting that sentence. Micaiah says, if I if you ever return in peace, the Lord has not spoken to me. And he said, take heed, all you people. I'm going away. He's getting dragged away to prison. And he says, if you ever come back in, in, in peace, uh, then the Lord hasn't spoken through me. And he warns everybody, don't listen to that. It's the last we hear of Micaiah, and Ahab dies in battle as they went up. <clears throat> Micaiah went into that, and he said, As the Lord lives, whatever the Lord says to me, I will speak. He was steadfast in what he believed and what he was sharing. So New Testament persecution. We talked about Stephen stoned to death, Acts chapter 7. They gnashed him with their teeth. When they heard the truth, instead of their hearts softening and melting and then uh, submitting to the Lord, they turn murderous and they literally murdered him and they go right at him. And as he's getting stoned, uh, you got who we learn is the apostle Paul holding everybody's these and, and God does an amazing work uh, in and through the, 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 uh, the life of Paul. Um, but Stephen's being, being stoned to death. Um, and instead of melting and, and, and yielding to the word, once again, they go, to, they go uh, forward and uh, reject God and uh, kill the messenger. Uh, John the Baptist, probably familiar with that one, uh, called out King Herod for uh, take, stealing his brother's wife, uh, Herodias, and she didn't like that. So she has her, uh, they try in several different ways to get John killed. Ultimately, what it comes is he's uh, led away by his own sexual desire and makes a stupid proclamation that uh, Herodias' daughter, a uh, young woman, that as she's come in and done a central dance in front of them, you can have up to half my kingdom. And she says, I want John, uh, the head of John the Baptist on a platter. She gets it. He's executed for being a, uh, you know, Jesus called him the greatest, uh, great, no other uh, prophet was greater. He's the greatest born among men. Uh, last one we'll share here is James. Um, he's he's killed by King Herod, and and uh, that's in Acts chapter twelve. And when King Herod saw it, he saw that it pleased the Jews, and Peter was next in the sights. Whoever is spreading the word of God, uh, the persecution was there from the leadership, the spiritual leadership, or the political leadership of Israel. So as we're going through and we're understanding this parable. You can see examples of what Jesus is talking about all through the Old Testament. After Jesus died and raised again, their hearts haven't changed. It's still hard towards the Lord, and they go right into the New Testament doing the same thing. All these men knew what their job was and that it was of, of utmost importance and stood firm in the Word of God. Now, as we come to a close this morning, as we read through this, and Jesus is explaining all these things that are going to happen, that 
you know, when, when the son comes, um, they're going to kill him, and then we can be heirs. We no longer have to worry about all those things. Jesus is telling him right then, I know what you're up to. So he says, yeah, the prophets you guys have all killed, and now you're talking about the son. I know you are, and that's why you know, Jesus it, it, it puts it right in here. It wasn't a surprise to Jesus what was happening here. He, he calls him out. He tells him, I know what you're up to. Now that the son has been sent, you know, you just want to get me out of here too. And he calls him out on it. But look where they get offended. In verse 16, it shows that they, they get offended because um, he sa it says, uh, he will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. And when uh, they heard it, they said, certainly not. That was what they were offended by. They weren't offended by any of the other stuff and going, you're right. You know, our fathers did this and we're with our minds. You know what? It was they, they had murderous hearts and they followed those hearts and they were rejecting the Lord. And it shows that they knew this about themselves. And, and you know, what a wretched state of existence. Just oh, it was awful. And it's sad to know that the verse really, uh, what really bothered them is they didn't want to lose control, the spiritual control of Israel. They didn't want to be, uh, they want anybody to be known as Israel governed by God or, or the God's chosen people. When they, wait a minute, wait a minute, we might, might not be the ones that uh, are solely and exclusively known as, as uh, God's special people, his chosen people. That's where they get offended. And, and the Lord's explaining to them, as like if you're reading through the New Testament, uh, Old Testament, you can see, you know, as these, uh, you know, you look at Saul, you know, when Saul disobeyed the Lord, the kingdom got ripped from him. And the Lord said, no, I'm taking that kingdom away. It's about faithfulness. It's about listening to the word and being obedient to what the word uh, has to say. And you go all through those kings and you see they did evil in the sight of the Lord and they died. And then this person and evil in sight of the Lord. It, it's, it's crazy. And they cause other people to sin or they were more evil than the other person that's happening here. I'm speeding up here. I forgot we had, um, as I was doing these notes, I have like nine pages. So we're going to get through like four and a half of them and we'll do the, the rest of it tonight. But um, so, the, you know, what, what's happening here is, it ultimately gets to the point that you can read in First Kings that the Lord says, um, or in the Old Testament, he says, you've cast me behind your back. You've just cast me out of the way. You can't see me anymore, and you guys are just going and doing your own thing. The Lord blesses faithfulness, and uh, you know, if we're faithful in little, uh, we'll be faithful in much. That's what the Scripture says, and the Lord will continue to give us those things. So Israel is rejecting Jesus Christ, and he goes on to say here, um, the chief cornerstone. I've got to finish this section uh, here. But Israel rejected Jesus, who was the chief cornerstone. It's the most important stone to a builder and the strongest stone. It's the one that all the measurements are coming from. So what Jesus says is in what you guys are doing, you've missed not only missed it all and you've killed all the messengers that were supposed to come, but you've rejected the one that you needed to accept. You know, what, what, do, we, what do we hear when Jesus was teaching about building? You know, if we build our house on the sand, when the storm comes, everything's going to wash away. Build our house on the rock. And how many times was, was Jesus explained? Um, David Gusick actually said, um, uh, these are three things that he, he mentioned about Jesus. He says, um, uh, 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 Jesus is often likened uh, unto a stone or a rock in the Bible. He is the rock of provision that followed Israel in the desert. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 10 that it's said. Uh, he's the stone of stumbling, First uh, Peter 2. He is the stone cut without hands that crushes kingdoms of this world, Daniel chapter 2. So when, when the Lord says, uh, you know, rejected the most important stone, what he's saying is, you know, when he said you're going to kill uh, the son, you, you've missed the, the, the whole point of it all, and you've killed all those that and rejected all those that the Lord sent to you. And most of all, they're going to kill the son, but you're not going to get control. You know, when he goes through and he says this, no, he's the chief cornerstone. So even though you think killing him is going to do it, no, 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 no. It's the resurrected Christ that changed the world, right? He lived a perfect life, but now that he's resurrected, we live in hope that our sins are gone and that one day we'll be with him forever. And that's what changes our life. We see the perfect ministry and the perfect life of Christ. And that when he died, that our sins, uh, when we trust in him, our sins uh, can just be uh, buried uh, in the ground like that. And when he resurrected, then uh, we live in newness of life. So when they thought they were killing what he says is, no, the one that you rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Everything's going to be built on the one that you rejected. 
it's it's an awesome awesome thing to read here and and uh, and then we'll get right to the end of this here it says so we have a choice and he says whoever falls on the stone will be broken but on whomever it falls it will grind him to powder so we can either fall upon the rock a broken in surrender or the rock's going to grind us to powder i think i'll take the first option i don't know about you guys um you know i'd rather accept the grace of god uh just falling upon him rather than uh just face his judgment um Verse 19, uh, we see uh, the leaders again are proving um, all of what they'd soon be accused of. Uh, they end up doing it here uh, in Acts chapter 7. So Jesus is, is saying, you're, gonna, you're about to do all these things. It says in verse 19, And the chief priests uh, and the scribes that very hour sought to lay hands on them, but they feared the people, for they knew he had spoken this parable against them. Understand this, and, and, uh, and I'm going to wrap it. I know I said I'm going to wrap it up, but I'm really going to wrap it up right now. So uh, we, we had communion in there and, uh, and everything. Um, Israel's rejection is not total. Okay. So uh, uh, Romans uh, 11, chapter 1 says, uh, 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 sorry, Romans 11, verse 1 says, I say then, has God cast away his people? Certainly not. His re rejection also isn't final. You know, Romans, uh, Romans 11, uh, 11, Paul writes, I say then, have they stumbled that they should, uh, fall, should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Remember when it said that, uh, when uh, Jesus said here, said uh, he will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Remember? Right. Absolutely. Gentiles. Wait, no, 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 no. Wait a minute. We're not going to be the ones? Just understand, Israel is not our enemy. God is not done with Israel. Uh, uh, Hebrews 11.14 says, If by any means he may provoke them to jealousy, uh, those who are my flesh and save some of them. 25 of, of Hebrews 11 says, For I do not desire, brethren, that you should uh, be ignorant of the mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. You guys see what's happening here? God, just as Jesus said, you know, these things are going to be taken. They're getting offended and they're ready to kill Jesus. And you can't stop him. He's the chief cornerstone and he's going to do what he wants to do. And he has a wonderful message for the rest of the world to hear of a savior that came from, from Israel. So uh, as in conclusion, uh, uh, Understand at my ninth conclusion. Sorry. So we've been anybody who's not a Jew has been grafted into. Uh, remember, Jesus said in, in John fourteen, "I am the vine." Uh, Fifteen, John, I, I am the vine. You are the branches. Gentiles have been have been grafted in as branches uh, into uh, the vine, into Jesus, and some of the branches were removed because of unbelief. Uh, it's important for us that have been grafted in not to be boastful about that that we've been grafted in. Uh, they will be grafted in again, it says, um, uh, if they don't continue in unbelief. So Hebrews 11, you want to understand that a little bit more uh, and get into a little bit more t detail. Pray to the Lord and ask him to reveal it to you, Hebrews 11. So every all this stuff is very much uh, true here in America. It's important for us to understand these guys had moved forward to we have always been the ones, our fathers and the faith of our fathers and those things. And, and because of this, I know we're, we're in good standing here in America or in the Christian church around the world. The, the, the summary can be uh, somebody can come to the summary in their own heart and in their own life that because my parents uh, were Christians or because I sit in church on Sunday morning, I'm a Christian. And those things aren't the, aren't the case. You know, we're Christians because we've submitted our lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And we've asked him to save us of our sins and to make us new creations, new living creations in him. Important question. Have we cast Jesus behind us since accepting him once in our lives? We, this morning we went through a moment of reflection as we were, uh, as we were going through uh, communion. You know, if you have, don't leave here today without coming to talk to me and we'll pray and we'll talk. If you haven't accepted Jesus, don't walk out these doors because we don't know what's going to happen. You know, once we leave here, if you feel the Lord, and when I say feel, if you know the Lord, be careful of following your feelings. Um, if you know the Lord is convicting you from the scripture and uh, or you just need prayer, whatever it is, just come see me after church. I'd love to pray with you. Important to understand the chief cornerstone is our savior. 
the, that we have the word of God and be bold in sharing it in love and grace. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me and we'll pray? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can have the assurance of knowing that we are saved standing in you. And Lord, that you're working in and through us by your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to understand your word, to know it, to meditate on it, to share it in love and grace as you uh, as you show us, Lord. We see and we looked at several examples of those who were persecuted greatly or lost their lives for sharing, just uh, sharing the message. Lord, I don't think any of us here wants to go through what they did, but whatever rejection we may uh, face uh, from family, friends, or, or, or just whoever um, uh, in our lives that we're uh, sharing the word with, Lord, that we wouldn't get discouraged and turn away from you, but just to understand that we just need in love and grace to pray for those people. It's important for us to share your message of love and grace. Let it be on our lips and all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.